Hello and welcome to the Counterculture Podcast. Thanks for listening and joining us wherever you're joining us from. This is episode one of the podcast entitled Greetings. My name is Luke and I'm going to be joined shortly by my friend and co-host Shane. Today will be all about getting to know us and what to expect on future podcasts. Our purpose for this podcast is to give a kingdom-minded perspective to the happenings of and in our culture. Most of the time, our conversations are had over the phone or while eating a meal, so we thought, why not invite others to listen in as well? So here we are. Thanks for listening. So with that being said, uh, Shane, um, can you tell us your heart about everything uh, on this podcast? Yeah, uh, just give you a quick, just I'm Shane, of course, and uh, we are representing in the big city of Mobile. (laughs) It's big, but uh, yeah, this whole thing, I just like the idea of bringing for some, uh, you know, just some raw and genuine conversations. Uh, there's so many things out out there today. First of all, when it comes to entertainment and talk, even talk radio like this, it's so scripted and so just uh, formal and not personal. Right. I think I think a lot of people are just kind of tired of that. Tired of just seeing the the mask. So. Uh, I'm excited just to bring something just real, you know, things that people really go through that people are really thinking. And uh, I'm hoping that we can bring forth some practical things uh, on how to address, you know, just life. So uh, I think that's my biggest thing. And just, uh, just being real. That's the biggest thing. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I'm 26 years old. Uh, been married for six years now and uh in june i will have two two-year-olds wow girls so uh for somebody that didn't want kids to begin with uh man one of the greatest things that's ever happened it's uh it's one of those i i am not a cliche person but uh and i know this probably doesn't happened to everybody but it did happen to me where they say you know once you see your kid for the first time like it's gonna be love at first sight you know i can remember when she was pregnant i was like oh my god i hope i even i hope what if i don't like these kids <laughs> so, but uh but it really was uh you know she uh when i first laid out on when i first laid eyes on them it was uh it was like wow it was just a whole new dimension of love that I, I got to tap into. So that was pretty awesome. But, you uh, know what? There's also an awesome story uh, behind the twins, actually. Can you tell us uh, about the text message that you sent uh, us the night that uh, you guys thought something was going wrong? Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was crazy. So, uh, man, I don't maybe a month. She may have even been like a month pregnant. Maybe a little more, but uh, I remember we were sitting in the Mexican restaurant, and uh, she just she kind of looked at me like something was kind of going on. So she she went to the bathroom, and uh, when she came back, she said, "I'm bleeding like really bad." So uh, you know, of course, that's always you know it's always not a good sign. 
So we uh, we went home and she called the doctor's office and it was late that night. So uh, and the doctor pretty much told us, say, you know, if you are miscarrying, you know, there's nothing we're going to be able to do. The best thing or maybe the more convenient thing is just to wait until the morning, you know, instead of coming in the ER and all of that. So uh, that's when we text, you know, some of our good friends, including you, you know, just saying, you know, it's looking like a miscarriage, you know, just be praying. You know, we were, of course, upset and just not sure what the, what was going on. So, uh, but we went in the next morning to uh, get an ultrasound. And I've never really been around an ultrasound, but I'm sitting there and they had the screen away from my wife. And uh, the woman's just, you know, she's going in there just to confirm what we pretty much already know. But as she's scanning, I, I, I see this little, you know, little P because that's what they look like in first stages like that. But then all of a sudden, like, comes in view, like, a second. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I already seen one. I, I like, so uh, is it just me, or am I seeing two, you know? And, and the woman, she wasn't at liberty to really interpret this. So she, she was like, uh, well, I can't say, but, uh, you know, but – but you said it, so I'm like, oh my god. And oh, then, wow. uh, but then she like she looked at my wife and she kind of reassured. Her. She said, uh, "Ma'am, I, I can't tell you everything right now." She said, "But uh, you don't have to worry." And uh, and then she walked out to go tell the doctor. And so we're like sitting there, like this is so surreal. Like, what in the world? And uh, we're just kind of freaking out. So the the doctor finally comes in and says, uh, "She said, well." Uh, did y'all see something? You know, it was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what did we see though? So, uh, long story short, we, uh, we went in that morning to confirm that there was one child that was miscarried. We came out with two healthy babies. And, wow. uh, so that was just, it was just awesome, man. And, uh, she had the, probably the greatest pregnancy that you could have, I guess, with having twins, you know, everything was great. So, yeah, she's a trooper, man. She's a trooper. Um, well, uh, I guess I'll say or tell a little bit about myself. My name is Luke. Um, I'm actually, I'm 33. Uh, that's weird saying that, uh, just actually had a birthday and, um, <clears throat> I've got, uh, of course, awesome wife and two, uh, little boys um we've got one that's seven and then another that's two and uh the two-year-old um is probably about the most rambunctious thing i've ever been around in my life uh but he is uh he's awesome and they're uh they're both passed out right now uh while we're doing this or you would not be able to hear anything but them um and uh we have a we have a good life man we um <clears throat> me and whitney um my wife we actually met on a blind date and uh, we uh we met at the fair one night and um were introduced to each other and um i gave her my number after that and told her to call me or or she or actually i asked her for her number and uh said i was gonna call her and uh 
she played hard to get, but uh, eventually, you know, my uh, my good looks won her over, and yeah. we, <laughs> we've been married uh, almost nine years. So uh, it's been a good ride, man, so far. Nine so, years. Nine years, man. It's, it seems like honestly, it, it really does. It seems like yesterday that we started um, that we started dating and that we got married. So we've been together coming up on 10 years now, but um, only married nine. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's me. Uh, I do uh, insurance work and uh, also uh, am involved in several ministries. Uh, one uh, with you um, and uh, another is a regional uh, worship um ministry that we do here here in mobile and around the gulf coast and so between all that with kids and a wife and family and job and ministries man time is uh time is short but it's good yeah yeah absolutely i'm uh, i'm like you with the time it's just we stay so busy man it's uh there's always something going on always we're always in the car like going somewhere and then you always have family that's well have it come see us come see us it's like mm-hmm. you know and you feel bad that you want to see everybody it's like man y'all come see me <laughs> <laughs> i'm tired come see yeah. me uh you know that's uh that's another thing of you know about culture now is i remember growing up like it 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 didn't seem like we we're this busy you right. know I, I remember you know being just absolutely bored you know, because there's nothing to do. My my son, my oldest, uh, he's seven, like I said, and he he very rarely ever says that. You know, I'm bored. We are always doing something. Yeah. And in fact, I think that's probably part of the reason that he uh, gets in trouble at school, like he does sometimes, is because he's so socialized, even at an early age. Man, we right. had him around uh, dinner tables and lunch gatherings and. Uh, church gatherings and everything like that from, you know, ever since he was born. So stays busy, stays busy. So um, what I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you uh, about, oh, that's right. Uh, how long have you been saved? When did you get saved? Oh, uh, 2010. It was, uh, it was in June, 2010. So, Coming up on eight years, you know i I've been raised in church, and you know I've been raised in church and I've been saved, but it, it really feels like that's when I really gave it all. I'm not saying maybe I didn't in the past, but there was just some, you know, kind of going back, straying away in a sense, doing my own thing. But that eight years ago in June, that's when I really said, you know what, it's. It's going to be about him. And you know what? Uh, you know, I'm glad you said that, what you said about, you know, going back and, you know, you don't want to make it seem like you didn't really, you weren't really saved. But, you know, the name of the our podcast is Counterculture. And I think, you know, even, you know, we talk about giving a kingdom mindset to things. And I think even in society or even in the church, there can be a, you know, a counterculture, you know, because there's traditional thinking. And then there's kingdom-minded thinking, 
you know, yeah. and I, I really do believe that traditional thinking would say that a long time ago you were saved, you just fell away, you know, and I think kingdom minded thinking would probably say you probably had a religious experience back then, yeah. but yeah. but you did not yield everything you were to Jesus, you know, and chances are you probably had not given, you know, your heart. You probably weren't saved. Uh, yeah. Would you agree with I, that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I can I can say from experience, you know, those those times when I was young, when, you know, it's like, man, I, I want to be saved. It, it wasn't, I mean, let's be honest, for most people, especially in our region, in this, in the, you know, the Bible Belt. We, we, we come to God because not because of his goodness that leads us to repentance. We hear that. We hear the, uh, ah, you're going to hell, that, you know, sinners are going to be judged. And they're not, not saying that's not a truth, but that's not the big picture. Right. It's so bigger than that. It's so much bigger than just going to heaven or hell. And, uh, but it, it's, it's so, uh, magnified in a sense of like, you're, you're going to go to hell and that's a scary place. And like I said, that, that's all true, but that doesn't lead you into a relationship that just makes you afraid and so sin conscious in everything you do. And ultimately it brings us all the way back to the old Testament again, where we're trying to just check off all these laws that we've done right. right. And Every one we mess up in one little bit, like, oh, man, it's going to take me a month to get back to where I was. So, yeah, I mean, that goes that goes back to the analogy uh, or the allegory that the Bible uses about uh, us being the bride of Christ, about about the fact that we're married to Christ that uh, and and, you know, um, actually uses the example of a marriage. And, uh, you know, I didn't marry Wit because I was afraid of, you know, you know, rejecting her and, you know, getting something awful. I married Wit because I loved Wit. Right. And I love Whitney. You know, I wanted to spend my life with her. I wanted to uh, do everything that I could to please her and um, win her over and, you know, uh, romance her, you know, eventually, eventually be intimate with her and, you know. And share my life with her. It was never about fear. Um, I never married her out of fear of losing her, if that makes sense. Like, it was all love-based. And uh, I think the Bible is very clear about that. You know, we've got to be 100% love-based when it comes to our relationship with God. And if it's not 100% love-based, then fear gets in there. And... um, you know, it ruins the whole thing. And, you know, nothing positive ever came out of uh, fear. Nothing. Right. right. So, um, anyway, go ahead with uh, with what you're saying about your testimony. Oh, uh, well, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just, let's see, up until... So that was 2012, I'm sorry, 2010, and uh, being raised in a a culture of, you know, it's this or you die and go to hell, and this is how you clean up yourself, and it was always the outward appearance more than inward in a sense, you know, uh, 
just a religious mindset. And uh, they're not saying that, you know, they're they're doing this on purpose. It's what's been bred in a lot of people, and there's just lack of knowledge, you know, and or a lack of revelation, should I say? Yeah. But uh, absolutely. You know, when uh, I first came on the scene and meeting you for the first time in 2000, I think it was 12, 2013, and um, coming into uh, Lot Road Church of God, uh, a whole new dynamic was opened up to me. And uh, it really, it helped me expand my 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 thinking of, uh, or my perspective on who God was. And uh, as I begin to expand that, then as I read the Bible, I begin to, it begin to open up more, you know, where I wasn't looking at him just as judgment anymore. But I seen a beautiful story of, you know, somebody that loves me. And he did some absolutely amazing things to make sure that those steps were in place for Jesus to come on the scene. And that what Jesus really did was more than just, you know, die for my sin, but he showed how much I was worth by dying for me. So, uh, and that, that's a that's a game changer, man, when you can see that. When it's not just because I was a sinner, but because he just loved me that much, he had to have me back. Like, that changes everything. That That's love. And, you know, just, I don't, I don't care who you are, man, when you, when you're continuously loving on someone, that they can try to be mean and mad and upset all they want. If there's continuous love coming towards you every day and you're recognizing it, man, it's going to break you down. Absolutely. And, and if we can just get to a place where we recognize how much he loves us, you know, and, and it's not that we get into this hyper grace type thing to where, you know, you can do whatever you want. No, there is holiness there's a standard that he's, he's calling us to, but, uh, it's, it's, it's just about this pursuit that he, uh, he comes after us with, but, uh, but, you know, you go into the, uh, analogy, like with the married being married, you know, I always love using that analogy because it's just more, you know, it's easy for people to, to see that, you know, as far as a marriage and, and, uh, but just to use it again, you know, you talking about a marriage, uh, even as a father and a son. Uh, I was taking, as I was saying earlier, I took my uh, my kids over to my dad's today. And it was just me and them. And uh, I was just looking in the rearview mirror and just checking on them. And I was watching one. She, well, One of them was asleep, but the other one, she was just looking around. And um, and I'm just I'm just staring at her and just smiling, you know, because like, that's, that's my baby girl. And she just looked so peaceful, you know, and uh, and it, and I just started thinking, or like like the Lord kind of just dropped into my spirit or something. It's like, what's the last thing she did wrong, you know, that like kind of upset me or like she did something she knew she wasn't supposed to. I couldn't remember, you know. Right. And it was like the Lord was just saying, I don't remember the last thing you did wrong, you know, and it, it, because he says when we're forgiven, he said he cast it as far as the east from the west, like he forgets, he forgives, it's done. And uh, it was the same way as I looked at her. It's like, I'm not dwelling on what she did wrong the last time. I love her. And right now she's at peace and, and I do anything for her. So yeah. it's, uh, 
I always say, you know, uh, I always tell people this, that, you know, he is God. We'll never take that away, and I'm not trying to. But we also need to see he's a father. And a good father loves his kids unconditionally. Yeah. Yeah, one of the greatest joys of my life is, uh, and it's so simple, is when uh, my two-year-old or my seven-year-old um, decides to just randomly come and sit in my lap and uh, and and just love on their dad. Man, yeah. that's, that's the greatest joy uh, that I can have. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's unsolicited. I don't ask for it. They just come up and give me a hug or, you know, give me a kiss on the cheek or, uh, Michael will tell me, you know, dad, I love you. You know, it's the best thing. And, you know, our father is wanting the same thing from us, you know, and, and loves the same thing, you know, from us. And, uh, it's, you're exactly right. I don't, in, in those moments and really right now, I mean, I can't remember the last thing that either one of them did that, you know, that irritated me or upset me or, or whatever. I, I just, I can go in there right now and look at them sleeping and just <laughs> cry my eyes out with joy that they're, that they're mine. So, right. Um, you know, uh, going back to salvation, I was actually going to tell you, you know, whenever I got saved. Um, you know, I grew up, it, we have actually very similar backgrounds, you know, both of our fathers were, were pastors and preachers and, uh, both of our grandfathers were pastors and preachers. And, uh, now we do some of both, uh, ourselves. Um, <clears throat> and we always talk about Todd White, you know, we always, you know, the quote that he has, he says, you know, that, uh, don't look for a pulpit, you know, let your life be a pulpit. Yeah. And, uh, Man, that means so much to me because, uh, you know, you you look at the uh, the actual culture of the church right now and everybody's looking for a pulpit. Everybody wants to preach. Everybody wants to get the amens, but no one wants to leave the church and actually live out that life. Right. And, and you know, <clears throat> you know, make altars wherever they go. They want to make those big altar calls and see people, you know, saved and delivered and healed in the altars. Um, but nobody wants to make their everyday life a, a yielded sacrifice to the Lord. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I, that's the kingdom. You know, that's the kingdom mindset is not the big stages, but the everyday um, ins and outs, you know, that the Lord is wanting to move. And so, um, anyway, going back to uh, salvation, whenever I got saved, uh, my dad was actually out of the ministry, um, not for anything crazy, but just he had taken up a job um, in, he was actually a chaplain um, for a uh, hospice. So um, I was, you know, going to high school, living life. And uh, I just went through the stage where I was just extremely rebellious, extremely unhappy, uh, didn't have any peace whatsoever. And um, so one day I um, got into just a terrible fight with my dad, you know, just fist, fist flying back and forth. And, you know, him, of course, holding back, but just kind of hold me down. And, you know, he just looked at me and said, son, what is wrong with you? And, you know, I didn't have a, I didn't have anything to tell him. I didn't know. 
And so uh, I think the wheels started turning with my dad that day that, you know, something was going on with me. Well, what he didn't know was I couldn't sleep at night. I had no peace whatsoever. I was unhappy. I was bitter. Uh, I was, you know, trying to make everybody else in my life unhappy and bitter because I was. Uh, I would stay up all night, you know, not sleep. You know, I would sneak out of the house at night and walk my streets you know, going back and forth just because my mind just was not at ease. And I remember one night after I got back in from walking up and down the streets doing whatever teenagers do, I don't know, but uh, I remember laying down in my bed and just being exhausted but not being able to sleep. So um, I eventually fell asleep. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and just having this awareness that spiritual warfare was going on all around me and uh i could go deeper into that but you know i'll save that for another time but um i remember getting up and just asking you know the lord you know i was like god what is that about you know i didn't really have a relationship with him but i know knew from growing up and praying in church and everything like that that you know whenever stuff like that happens you know you pray and you ask and you see what's going on well i didn't hear anything so, um, a few nights after that, I had this dream and in this dream, I'm walking in heaven and, um, you know, it's one of those traditional kind of views of heaven, you know, it's clouds everywhere and, you know, there's gold everywhere and, uh, different thing. I'm sure people are floating on clouds and, you know, harps and everything like that too. But, uh, I remember making it to the throne room of God. And I remember looking up at God and I, I didn't see his face or anything like that. Um, but I remember God, you know, looking down at me or gesturing down at me, pointing his finger at me. And I remember just this feeling of um, uh, transparency, just like I, I, I was just filthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just right in front of him. And I remember turning around and running as fast as I could. And, you know, every few seconds I would look behind me as I was running uh, to see if I, how far I'd gotten away from him. And I could never outrun his finger that was pointing at me. My, his finger always stayed at the back of my head, you know? So I just kept running, kept running, kept running. Anyway, I, I woke up that night in cold sweats. I had nothing, had, you know, had no clue what to think or what to do. And, uh, so uh, a few nights after that, or a few days after that, my, my dad told me, he said, Luke, uh, we're going to send you to Mexico. And I was like, send me to Mexico. And he said, yeah, we're going to send you to Mexico. We have some missionary friends down there that are in Mexico and we want to send you there. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, I was just a little dramatic kid. So I was like, whatever, you know. So I went down there and uh, stayed with uh, the missionaries that were in Mexico. And it changed my life, changed my perspective on everything. I remember one night um, there was a prophet that was there from a church in Florida. And uh, he looked at me and he pointed to me and he said, come here. And uh, I had been dating a girl in Mobile. Um, and he looked at me and he said, I want you, the Lord tells me, is telling me to tell you to let go of that girl back home that he has someone waiting for you that's full of revival and that you guys are going to touch nations together. You're going to 
uh, minister to pastors. You're going to do awesome things for the Lord. Well, this is the first, I mean, that's the first time I, that I can remember anybody has ever spoken and read my mail like that. Yeah. I was, I was just beside myself. So I went home that night, uh, or I said, went home, went back to the house that I was staying in in Mexico that night. And I said, Lord, I don't know how that happened. It doesn't matter. Uh, I want to give my heart back to you. I want to give my heart to you fully. And it was at that moment. Uh, I don't remember the day. I don't remember, you know, honestly, I probably would have to think about the year, but, uh, I remember that being the beginning of me walking with the Lord and it happened through a powerful, uh, experience like that to where I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that he knew me, he saw me, he cared about me. He loved me. Uh, even throughout the things that I was going through and throughout my rebellion and everything like that, he pursued me and he wanted to tell me how much he loved me to bring me back home. Um, and man, just to go back with what you're saying, he is. He's a loving father. He loves us. So good. So good. So, um, well, I think that's going to wrap it up. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before we end? No, uh, I think we kept it a, a short introduction. <laughs> Hope. Yeah. We're, probably, we're probably going to see how long this was and be like, wow. But, um, yeah. Going up on 30 minutes now. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. wow. All right. We're going to have to keep it a little bit shorter, I guess. But anyway. All right. Well, uh, I guess till next time, uh, we'll see you guys later.